You are listening to the LMAP Leaders Link podcast. For more resources, including Bible studies, be sure to check out churchcentralonline.com. Uh, hello, welcome to LMAP Leaders Link. I'm Luke Brush. I'm joined today by Ken Noakes. How are you doing, Ken? Very well. Good to be with you again. Yes, this is episode five of our Disciple Works uh, series, and our topic today is bold in witness. Sure is. So, I'll open in prayer. Thanks. Heavenly Father, uh, we know that we are not always bold in witness. We sometimes are, quite frankly, cowards. I pray that this episode would help us to be bold, uh, to feel equipped, and to understand why we should be bold. Amen. Amen. So, let's kick off. What do you mean by bold in witness? Yeah, good way to uh, start. Uh, okay, let's focus on um, uh, on the witness part uh, before we look at what it means to be bold. Uh, to be a witness uh, means that you have seen, heard, or that you know something that will be helpful for others uh, as they make their decisions in whatever way that might be. So, for example, in our legal system, evidence is often given by either eyewitnesses, so those who have seen or heard something firsthand, yep. or expert witnesses, those who have a deeper experience or knowledge in a particular field. Uh, so, what we're trying to do in this chapter uh, is to uh, recognize what it means to be bold in witness as expert witnesses. Um, following in the footsteps of those who were the first eyewitnesses of what actually happened. Uh, so, uh, to be a witness, you need to be willing to make a stand, to testify, to, to speak on Jesus' behalf uh, in many ways, because that's what he asked of his original disciples and in turn what he asks of us. The aim as being, uh, of being a witness is to provide enough reason or evidence for someone who is not a witness or not someone who has what you have to ascertain the truth behind what Jesus said or did. Okay, so when did Jesus ask his disciples or ask this of his disciples? Yeah, okay, sure. Uh, think about what Jesus asked of his disciples after he rose from the dead. Uh, you know, it's fairly important that he's asking that after something that really does need someone to be a witness. Uh, because a resurrection is not something that happens all the time. Uh, Luke 24 is a good place for us to start today. Um, Jesus uh, gathers with his disciples. Um, he gathers on several occasions before he, um, he ascends or before he leaves them. And before this final appearance, he says to the disciples, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name, to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. You are witnesses of these things. Okay. Now, it's not every day that a dead person comes back to life. No, it's pretty rare. Yep. For that event to have credibility, you would need to have evidence. And one of the best evidences is that of personal testimony and witness. The disciples, having been with Jesus for the best part of three years, they've heard what he's taught, they've seen what he could do, they've listened as he's explained the Old Testament scriptures, they've come to understand that he was indeed the Messiah, and they have been mystified when Jesus had predicted his own death and resurrection. 
theoretically, they should have been able to connect the dots uh, better than anyone. They were the expert and they were also the eyewitnesses. Mm. Uh, they were, uh, and so uh, in that sense, uh, with all of that background, when those predicted events actually came about, you know, Jesus' arrest, his suffering, his death, incredibly his resurrection, just as Jesus said it would, then the disciples found themselves in quite a unique position. What they knew was no longer theoretical. It had become historical fact. They were the witnesses of historical fact. Okay, so I was kind of thinking you were going to take us to the Great Commission with this. Question, uh, sure. But, uh... <laughs> sure. That's Matthew's Gospel, the end of Matthew's Gospel, and it's called the Great Commission, uh, Matthew 28. Uh, why don't we go there? Because it is one of those, it is a great passage yeah. um, on this particular topic. Jesus says to his disciples, again, after his resurrection, he said, all authority in heaven on earth has been, has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Uh, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, he doesn't use the word witness, which is part of the reason why I didn't go to the Great Commission. Doesn't doesn't use the word witness here, but clearly what the disciples are called to do is to testify. Mm. Uh uh, when you look at the instruction that Jesus gives to make disciples of all nations, uh, this is a command that is hard to fulfill unless the disciples go out and address, testify to those nations. Uh, and uh, as they uh, as they did that, as they testified, they proclaimed the good news about Jesus. They proclaimed the gospel, and people came to believe. Uh, they then needed to be baptized, uh, then they needed to be instructed in how to live their lives. So, make disciples, go, baptize into belief, teach what it means to be a disciple. That is the Great Commission. Uh, let me see if I can critique that a little bit, if that's okay. Not critique the commission, but critique the world that we live in in sure. relation to that. Yep. Our secular world, we appoint. Point. Point. Yeah, we appoint people. You accept a job, you're appointed to a job. Um, yep, I get you. Uh, you're appointed. Um, and what comes with that appointment, what comes with that job is the expectation that you will do the job that you are hired for. And if you don't, it's entirely appropriate for your appointment to be reviewed and maybe you shown the door. The Great Commission is like an appointment, an appointment for Christians. Jesus says to his disciples, I've saved you, I've taught you, I've now got a job for you. My expectation is that you will go out and you will do that job, make disciples of all nations. And they did. We know that because today the disciples from those nations are us. Mm. Yeah. So given how important this is and how successful, I guess, it's been historically, why are so many of us uh, reluctant to be witnesses? Yeah, sure. For me, <laughs> for me, that's simple. It's often hard work, or I'm yep. too chicken, I'm too distracted, or I'm and insert any excuse you want after that. Yeah, okay. Uh, you know the excuses. We've used them all. Yep. Uh, I am a reluctant evangelist. I don't think it's probably one of my stronger spiritual gifts, but evangelism is something I think we are called uh, to do. Uh, it is. It is so easy to talk. I don't know about I don't know about you, but I find that it's so easy to talk about other things: mm -hmm. uh, work, sport, social life, COVID, 
Yeah. Uh, there's so many other things that I can talk about, and I can fill up all of the space talking about those things if I wanted to. Yeah. Uh, it's not so easy to talk about things that really, really matter, like yes. Jesus and what happens when we die. Uh, every Christian will find themselves in situations where they will stand among believe, unbelievers, you know, on the football field, in the workplace, uh, the social club, the pub, the mother's group, the retirement. You know, the list will go on. We're always in circumstances where we'll find ourselves among unbelievers. None of those times will be the ideal time or place to have a conversation about Jesus. So in the absence of the ideal situation to evangelize, uh, then I think we need to work out ways to make the time and place right uh, in how we then somehow testify or bear witness as expert witnesses of Jesus. Okay, so do you have any tips? Sure. My secret weapon? Yeah. <laughs> my secret weapon is I pray. If I'm going to try and talk to people about God, then at least I should start talking to God about people. Uh, I take my lead here from what uh, Paul said to the church in Colossae. Are you willing to read for us? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to give you a great passage, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 4. Okay, sick. It says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Okay, so what the Apostle Paul does here is he brings both prayer and evangelism together. People of faith pray. Uh, we heard that in the last episode. Uh, yet those who are alienated to God, people not of faith, don't pray. Or at least they don't pray in a way that, can be comfortable, that we can be confident that God is going to listen. Um, and so you shouldn't be expecting them to be talking to God. Christians have that privilege. Paul says to those who are faithful or those who um, are in relationship with him, pray about those who are not in relationship with him. Pray particularly for opportunities to evangelize. Pray for us too that we may, that might open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. So Paul and you were just talking about it too, talks about proclaiming the mystery of Christ. Mm -hmm. How do you proclaim a mystery? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, the mystery of Christ here is just another way to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and of course, it's not a mystery to those who are expert witnesses. Sure. It's not a mystery to somebody who has faith. It's no longer the mystery of Christ. It's only a mystery to those who don't know Christ. Uh, and gotcha. that's the reason why I use that language of the mystery of Christ. What you really want to do is you want to reveal the mystery. You want to be able to take the, clo the, the you know, take the cloak away and say, "Ta-da! Let me show you something that's really quite amazing." Uh, Christians, uh, what he's saying here is, pray for yourselves to be alert and to be thankful and for opportunities. Uh, pray for Christians in general. Um, at least pray for those like Paul and Timothy in this passage who are the ones who are officially proclaiming Christ. You know, maybe you could talk about them as the vocational Christians. Yep. Pray for those who will vocationally do it. Uh, but I don't think you can take, the, take that as far as saying that they are the only ones who should be proclaiming Christ. And pray particularly for the clear proclamation of the gospel whenever and wherever and through whom that happens. 
Okay, so prayer's the secret weapon, uh, but that's kind of not enough, is it? Like, to proclaim Christ, you've got to do more than just pray. Uh, yeah, they're making prayer work. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, prayer is certainly one of those things that uh, there's a great starting point that's there, uh, and, and under God is as sufficient as it will be. Uh, but uh, second, I think there's something else you could do. You could build relational connection. Uh, I want to grow a friendship with those whom I'm trying to connect to Jesus. I think most of us would recognize that there is value in building friendships, building relationships. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and again, look at what Paul says to the Colossian Christians. It's still in that passage, uh, but in the next verse, uh, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity, Colossians 4.5. The way that any Christian behaves is watched by the world. Uh, that should happen because the Christian lives distinctively for Christ. Paul's instruction here is to be wise so that the outsider can see and value the way a believer conducts him or himself. Um, you know, I've often talked about uh, living distinctively in such a way that people will notice. I don't mean live, be distinctive in a, such a way that people will take offense necessarily, but I mean uh, live in such a way that people will, will take notice. Um, uh, Christians... Uh, can value the idea of being different. You know, uh, let me give you an illustration. Uh, I want to be different, so I dress up completely in purple uh, so that I'm going to completely stand out. Um, that will make absolutely no difference if all I do then is stand in front of a purple wall. Sure. Yep. Because all I do is I just disappear. And so what we want to be as Christians is we want to be distinctive. In order to do that, we actually have to stand against a backdrop that will often be different to how we look. Uh, and so I think that's probably the instruction that you see uh, here about being distinctive. And there are plenty other places in the Bible which talk about how do we be distinctive. And think about the, the picture of what it is to be salt or, or mm -hmm. light, um, distinctive or, or illuminating in different ways. There are other examples that you could go through as you go through the Bible. Uh, with Christ-like behavior comes an opportunity. Paul says, make the most of those little opportunities with the hope that you'll be able to get a foot in that may lead to a conversation or testimony about Jesus. And in most part, even though I think the world takes offense or may uh, um, object, uh, there is always an appreciation at the good lives that Christians and the good values that Christians will bring, uh, bring out. The reason why is because they are usually other person-centered, and it's hard to reject that always when you are trying to be other person-centered in the way you love them. Hmm, okay. So, one prayer, build relational connections, mm -hmm. friendships, etc. Mm -hmm. Anything else? Yeah, okay. Uh, this is, I think, where the bold in witness really shows itself. Uh, talk about how Jesus intersects with life. Uh, you know, what is evangelism? Um, living a life that is distinctive and so that people can see there's different, where necessary, use words. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, talk about how Jesus intersects with life. As the firstborn of creation, Jesus is not far from most topics that matter in our world. Uh, as his, 
uh, as his witness, Christians as the, as his witness, it is our job to be ready to talk about Jesus in ways that intersect with our life, with with the lives of those that we're trying to chat with. Now, although uh, uh, although I am a Christian, there is still much that I will have with someone who is not a believer. Uh, you know, if I think about the different walks or the different theatres of life that I might work in, uh, the, those who are unbelievers around me may have kids. They may enjoy uh, sports that I enjoy. Uh, we experience the same weather patterns. Uh, we may be connected because we go to the same school or have some type of connection to the same school. Uh, the, the news uh, feeds and what's happening in the world around us. COVID. Uh, there are, you know, there are hobbies that we might have in common. Uh, so just because I'm Christian doesn't mean that I'm so different to unbelievers that I have no place to intersect with them uh, conversationally, uh, and my life doesn't intersect with them in any way. Uh, I had a, a good mate years ago who told me that he reckoned when it came to evangelism, if you knew how to talk about gardening, sport, books, and politics. Those four things, okay. gardening, sport, books, and politics. His argument was you would be able to talk to anyone. Okay. Um, now, I've got to say, I'm not terribly good at gardening. Uh, I'm I, no good at sports. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. But if, you got, if you've got something you can say in each of those four areas, his argument was you could talk to anyone. Um, uh, and, and I think um, it's worth uh, recognizing that uh, that we need to be a good listener as we are trying to intersect with their lives. Um, so uh, what you could do is you could talk about, I could talk about my kids and what I'm doing to bring them up as girls or boys who follow Jesus and who know how to care for others and their friends. Uh, there has to be an intersection point there over kids. I could talk about uh, the football or the cricket or the tennis and about playing hard and fair uh, and treating others with respect because as a Christian, we're called to be honest and true before others. And there's an intersection there that starts with sport that then goes to the value of that way that you approach that sport. I could talk about how God made the weather and how wonderful it is that he gives us a reminder that he's there every time that cold wind blows right through us <laughs> in the middle of the soccer season or, or um, you know, that we're experiencing a bushfire in the way that we're bush experiencing because we all happen to be in that same type of community and, and how amazing it is that there is someone that could be behind all of this, whether they agree with that or not. Um, there's an intersection there. I could talk about how well the school our kids um, attend would teach or uh, shape them um, in values like honesty and perseverance, uh, values that I know that Jesus taught his disciples. And so there's your intersection point um, in some ways. I could talk about events that are reported in the news cycle that concern our city or our suburb um, uh, you know, I could talk about how COVID um, affects each of us and uh, how um, that's playing out around us and look to bring some gospel values into the conversation and into perspective. I think what Paul is really trying to do is encourage us to use our words well uh, in conversation in a manner in which a Christian speaks should be gracious although the content of the gospel that we might then start talking about might confront and may even draw objection, Christians want the manner in which they speak the gospel to draw no objection, but to work out ways to try and do that. Okay. Um, not something I usually do or like to do, but I'm going to play devil's advocate here and ask, <laughs> yeah, 
Why go to the effort to find ways to talk about Jesus? Why bother? Devil's advocate indeed. Mm. Um, That's exactly what the devil would want to stop us from doing. Well, um, uh, why go to the effort? One, because Jesus commands us to. He commands his disciples to be willing to talk about him, which, you know, you should probably take those commands fairly seriously. Mm. Uh, Two, because... He is the saviour of the world, and as such, the world needs to hear about him to be saved. And because I want to be obedient, and because I want to be loving, then I need to go to the effort to find ways to talk about Jesus. Okay. So, maybe you can help me here. I'm not always the best at starting conversations. Mm-hmm. How would you go about it? How can uh, I be bold? How can how do you be bold? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. And that's a really, really helpful question. I'll get to the practicalities uh, that are here. Um, let me tell you what I, I do. The, my, my tried and true method that I tend to use as the easiest way to start a conversation. I have two questions that I sort of roll around. They may come out in different forms, but effectively the two questions uh, are these. And almost always it will help me get into a conversation about Jesus if I use them first. I'll say to the person, uh, uh, you know, pick a topic in news field, soccer field, wherever it might be, pick a topic, and I'll say, what do you think about that topic? You know, what do you think about how, uh, you know, COVID is affecting us as a world? Or, or you know, what do you think about how, uh, what is really going on around the world with, with COVID? And what that does is open up the, the opportunity for the person to express an opinion, Mm-hmm. And everyone has opinions. Yep. Uh, and actually, most of the time, people like being able to express them as well. And so what I then get is a short to long opinion about the question that I've asked. And so I just listen and listen and do as much listening as I possibly can there. Because what happens is I can then work out from what they're saying what some of those values are, what's driving the way that they make those assessments, the what, what gives them that opinion, whether it comes from their their upbringing, whether it comes from the latest news feed, whether it comes from a political position that they have or a philosophical position that they might have, uh, whether it comes from a bad experience or a good experience, it will generally reveal itself as they as they do that. And so that first question is a helpful one. What do you think about? Uh, then once they pause for breath or I get an opportunity to, to come back into this conversation, my second question will be something like, where do you get that from? Or, or where that, that opinion's a, a strong opinion. So effectively, it's, it's the, what's the basis of that opinion? Uh, and uh, that will allow them to expose themselves in some ways. Well, you know, I've been brought up as a Catholic, or I've been brought up as a as an agnostic, or I've been brought up as a whichever, or uh, you know, the City Morning Herald tells me that because, of course, that is the font of all truth, yeah, um, or uh, you know, whatever it might be. They will they will often then themselves out where their particular worldview comes from, which allows me to say. Uh, Often it's even presented back to me because they'll say, once they realize that they've just outed themselves, they'll say something like, so what do you think? Mm. In which case, I can then give them whatever it is that I'm going to say that connects it to Jesus. And so it intersects with Jesus. Um, or I'll, I'll say, well, you know, I've always thought because, you know, one of the things I value as, as a Christian is that Jesus said this, and I think there's some merit in that. And off you go. Okay. Um, and so it's just a way to start the conversation. You're sure it might get shut down again, or or there there may be uh, you know 
you know, depending on what the circumstances is, uh, they will then walk off and find somebody else to talk to. Uh, well, you know, you've got to work that one through. But at least what you're doing is you're trying to present something that will allow them to, to recognize way. And you always want to do it in a gracious way. Okay, so it was, what do you think about X for any X? Yeah, yeah intersecting with something yep. that's happening in the world. And then where do you get that? Yeah, where, okay. what do you base your opinions on? However you're going to word that, it's yep. up to you. Yep. Now, let me give a, a, a growth group suggestion since this yeah. is a leader's link. Um, if you want to go with that two-step sort of question thing, then why not get your group to try it out? Hmm. You know, if you happen to still be on Zoom, send people off into, into Zoom rooms of threes where one person is trying to, to use that line of questioning and the other person then plays the devil's advocate so to speak yeah um and the and the third person sits there and um and and oversees and then you can talk about it afterwards um that may be a good thing to do if we're back live by the time this um this topic comes around which i really hope we are yeah, god willing um then uh you know there's no reason why you can't break people off and get, get them actually having a go at this one have some fun and it's hysterical it'll be so funny watching <laughs> um watching do this and uh, another thing you could do there is get them to open up um you know, news.com or something like that mm -hmm. and pick each pick a story and use that story as the thing that you raise in the conversation. Yeah, okay. So we've been talking a lot about, um, I guess, overcoming our lack of motivation or how to, mm. you know, do that. Um, we started talking, I guess, a bit about this, but like, what if we don't feel equipped? Yeah. Yeah, and that's a great question. Um you know, as a pastor, I'm often, you know, I've often heard people sort of say, but I don't know how to do that. So in, in part, this is trying to address mm. um, that issue. Let me say a few things about that. Um, this is important, essential, you could say. Um, one, uh, because this is so essential, make sure you learn how to explain the gospel. It doesn't have to be long and drawn out, but make sure that you are somebody who can explain the gospel. It is difficult to proclaim the gospel clearly if you don't know what to say. And it's not as if we don't have resources for that. There are apps, there are videos, there are Bible tracks. We have a Jesus Works course, the whole mm -hmm. point of inviting not just those who join us at church to do Jesus Works, but also our church membership is so that people are equipped to be able to testify about Jesus, to bear witness to Jesus. Uh, and, you know, when we did Jesus Works, I gave everybody a copy of that one so that everyone has got a version of that uh, in some way. Um, if you don't know what to do, then then ask. Get somebody to show you. Uh, and there are plenty of people in our church that can do that. So there's the first one. Make sure you learn how to explain the gospel. Second, um, here's an easy one. Learn how to give your own testimony, your Christian story. Uh, at some point, if you are a believer, you are confronted with the gospel. Um, as far back as you can remember, uh, at a particular time, whenever it is that you accept, maybe you've always been the Christian, uh, always been a Christian. At some point, you've been confronted with the gospel. Your Christian testimony to be helpful should be a testimony to Jesus using you as an example. So talk about what he means to you. And if you're able to do that, it's very difficult, particularly in our world, for people to say, oh, yeah, 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 no, you, 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 um, you don't feel that because everyone's about feelings. And you can say, well, no, that's my testimony. This is what I feel. This is what I believe. Um, and so uh, being able to explain your testimony is good. So um, explain the gospel. Make sure you know how to say your Christian testimony. Third, serve those that you're trying to reach. 
This is particularly practical. Most relationships grow when people care for one another. Christians should know how to do this better than anyone. We are in the service industry. We are, that's our business. Uh, find ways to serve and help those that you want to reach with the gospel. Um, whether that's providing meals when they're sick, helping out when they're moving, cleaning, building something, babysitting, uh, helping them with a work task, helping them with a uni assignment, um, caring for them in ways that others won't. Whatever it will be, it will open them up, um, often open them up to see that there is something different about you. Uh, learn to explain the gospel. Learn to give your Christian testimony. Serve those who are trying to reach. Here's a fourth one. Invite people. Be bold and be willing to invite people to accept Jesus. Don't fear asking those you are trying to reach to accept Jesus for themselves. And if you're going to do all of this, you're going to stand in witness, then the pointy end of it is to say, well, would you like to take him more seriously? Um, or you might want to, before that, ask them to read the Bible with you, to pray with you, to come to church with you, whatever that might be. There are all sorts of different things that you could do, but Invite people to accept Jesus and put them in contexts where there are other Christians, um, particularly your friends. You know, so we talked before about making sure that you're interacting with them. There's a way that you could act, you know, invite them over for a meal where you do have some of your church friends with them when we're allowed to open up our houses again. Uh, because what that then does is give them more examples of people who know and accept Jesus and maybe they might accept him themselves. Uh, remember, the invitation won't come from them. You know, they won't know to say, so it is, it is rare for them to say, so can you show me how to become a Christian? It's a great gift when they do. Uh, the invitation won't come from, the, from them. So boldly issue the invitation yourself to meet Jesus. Yeah. So I guess in my experience, it usually doesn't work. Usually doesn't work. Oh goodness! Okay. Which is kind of, so what happens if it doesn't work? You go, you ask them, and then all of those good attempts that you've got yeah. there. Well, this is going to sound funny. It's actually not your problem. Okay. It's not your problem. Um, remember, remember the Great Commission. Jesus said, "I am with you till the very end of the age." No matter what, you've got Jesus with you as you do what it is that He's commissioned you or appointed you to do, um, and so do it boldly. And bear in mind that we also have the Holy Spirit, mm. who is, in fact, the great evangelist. So one of the gifts that Jesus left us, his, his disciples and us in turn, uh, until he returns, is his Holy Spirit. So be bold by the power of the Holy Spirit. Your job is to bear witness to Jesus. It is not to convert people. Uh, conversation is, uh, sorry, not conversation, conversion is the job of the Holy Spirit. Be bold in testifying about Jesus. Say something when normally you wouldn't. Work up the courage to give it a go. Recognize, though, that you are not responsible for how the person responds, uh, particularly if your manner has been, you know, pleasant and gracious and bold uh, along the way. You're, you know, that's it's not your problem. Um, so give it a go, and you might yep. find that uh, you're surprised at how often the Holy Spirit works in ways that you never thought you'd be able to work. Yeah, indeed. Okay, so thanks for that, but let's sum up now by talking about the worldview contrast. 
Yeah, so this is what we've been saying for each of these particular essentials, these disciple works essentials. So what's the contrast for bold and witness? The world says, watch yourself. Don't say anything we deem intolerant or confronting or you'll be cancelled. Mm -hmm. What does God say? He says, I've given you my son, Jesus. Boldly say what will help so that others will know that Jesus died for them and in turn have life. Okay. Yeah. So let's uh, close up now. We're finished, basically. Um, if you've been listening to these, let us know. Send us a text. Send us an email. Um, leave us some feedback. Hmm. Um, It'd be very helpful to know that this is a, this is a, yeah, a point just to this exercise. To <laughs> <laughs> uh, so our next episode will be resilience in suffering, which is yeah, that's a topic that's good for Christians to be able to think through. I was going to say probably quite uh, of the times too. There's a lot of people suffering. Yeah. Um, I'll close in prayer. Thanks, Heavenly Father. I pray that you would help us to be bold. I pray that you would help us to pray and um, to form those connections with people, and then to actually tell them the good news of the gospel. Pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. This has been LMAP Leaders Link. Remember to check out churchcentralonline.com for more resources.